and we are live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Eagle Eye Podcast, episode five. And uh, what a great episode we have in store for every single one of you guys. I hope you guys are ready. I hope you guys have your tacos, and I hope you guys are ready to enjoy yet another Tuesday with us. So today we got a packed show. We're going to be breaking down the uh, Atlas game and we're going to be previewing the Lobos Buab game. And then we're going to give you guys a little bit of our thoughts into the match against the Bosnia game for the Mexican national team coming up tomorrow. Uh, so before I get started, I want to mention that today is an extra special show because on the pod today, we have a very, very special guest. We have uh, Mr. Johnny Rico. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Uh, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I've been uh, wanting to come on for quite some time. And uh, without further ado, too, let me introduce my co-host, Mr. Dylan Jimenez. Dylan, glad to have you back. Thanks, man. Always a pleasure coming on and bringing the great news of America to the, all the Americanistas. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, it's going to be us three today. We're going to be rambling on and we're going to be talking and we're going give, to be giving our opinions and we're going to be seeing exactly uh, how we... Uh, how we think this America side is going to go in in regards to the next game and maybe talk a little bit about the Mexican national team. Um, so, again, want to thank uh, Johnny Rico for coming out here. I think he was one of the first people we actually thought about, uh, you know, introducing uh, on the podcast. Uh, you know, when you think of Americanista and you think someone on Twitter, um, I think uh, Johnny's right up there with uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of other great characters. Uh, so. Again, it's a pleasure to have you, Johnny. We're uh, we're, we're definitely excited to to hear your thoughts and everything. Yeah, let's let's do this. Um, there's there's a lot of greatness to go over. <laughs> that is right, a lot of greatness to go over. But before we get started on that, I just want to say, uh, we want to say exactly, uh, thank you for every single bit of uh followers that we have gotten and thank you for all the support that you guys have given us we have reached a total of a hundred followers on twitter which we said if we were to make that possible within the week we were going to be giving away a uh, scarf so this saturday we're going to pick randomly one person from twitter who has followed us and we will be uh, messaging you guys privately and we will be letting you guys know who won the scarf Saturday right before the America match against Lobos Wap. So make sure you guys stay tuned. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter if you haven't done so, because that does give you an opportunity to maybe uh, throw your name inside the hat. So, again, thank you from all of us here at the Eagle Eye Podcast for making it possible. I know we're, uh, you know, we're small, but we're starting off pretty strong. And we're, we're definitely going to keep growing with all your guys' support. So yeah, I, was, uh, I was one of those first followers. Am I still at your level for <laughs> You know, we'll, well, we'll definitely throw your name in. Uh, we'll definitely throw your name in the hat, Johnny. Uh, but we cannot. Uh, we we can't definitely say that you'll win because um, I think many people would call that very being biased. But uh, you're definitely in there, and uh, we promise that if he, if Johnny's name does come up, it uh, it doesn't have to do anything that he is on the podcast. That's cool. I have a, I have a funny story about uh, defend, almost having to defend my scarf against like twenty Cruz Azul guys at a stadium in San Diego. Oh, we definitely have time for that. Well, tell us a story. Yeah, well, this um, was a really long time ago. I was uh, Cruz Azul America friendly here in San Diego. And I back then, I was a little more crazy. I had very long hair, like Ochoa, the, the curls. I wore my – I was one one of those guys they call full kid wankers. I, I put on my <laughs> jersey, shorts, the America socks. I painted my face uh, yellow, blue, yellow. With the CA on each cheek, 
had my scarf. And at halftime, I decided to kind of run a lap around the stadium, just, you know, screaming and being obnoxious. <laughs> all of a sudden, I realized, oh, man, I got to go in front of the Cruz Azul Porra, the Yobarra. Yeah. So I decided, you know what, it's it's going to be twice as long as to go back the other way. So, you know what, let's just do it. So as I'm passing through, someone pulls my scarf. And when I turn back, it's this Cruz Azul guy with like 20 guys behind him. So I go up to him, snatch the scarf right out of his hand, and get in his face. I go, que pues? <laughs> his most humble voice, like, mejor vete, wey, mejor vete. <laughs> that is right, right there, repping the scarf. So I just, uh, I walk away. I just, but yeah, it's, I'll defend my scarf. <laughs> and we hope you guys defend your scarf just the way Johnny did if yeah, if you were to win the scarf. Uh, what a great story. I'm pretty sure you have uh, many, many more to, to be able to share. But we're going to jump into the Atlas uh, preview, I mean, review match of what happened this last Saturday in the Estadio Azteca. Uh, the, the match ends up being a 1-0 result uh, in favor of our Aguilas. Uh, I think it's fair to say maybe the best game we've seen uh, with this America side. Um, I'm going to throw it out to you, Dylan, first. And I want I want you to give us just a brief, brief, brief thought on uh, on what you thought the result was after the ref blew the whistle. Yeah, I, th I think it was a positive result. You know, pretty much like you said, you know, probably the best game we've played so far this season. And, you know, but there are still some signs for improvement, you know, like, any other team there's always improvements you know no team's ever going to be perfect those improvements and showing those improvements against Lobos WAP you know it's going to be a, a great game you know Lobos WAP isn't going to be an easy team as well neither was Atlas and so you know result overall for the team Johnny I'm going to throw the same question at you uh what do you think what do you what was your thoughts after the ref blew the, the final whistle so I, I don't know if I would say the best game because I, I think America played just as good against Pumas. Which, uh, Pumas are a little stronger opposition than Atlas is. And like like Dylan said, there's there's things that need to be worked out, but there was it was a solid game overall. I think uh, things are a very good starting point. You know, we're at the beginning part of the season. I think we're playing at a level that's acceptable for the beginning part of the season. And a level that needs to continue to grow as the season progresses. Okay, I can respect both of your guys' opinions. Um, I think the reason why I say that this is the best America game we've seen so far is because not only did we get the three points, but we started off the game well, and we were able to close the game pretty well as well. I think that's something that we have been stating on here, that America has lacked um, the, the possibility to close a matchup and, and really see out the points. We saw it against uh, Pachuca. Uh, you know, we saw it against Pumas where really we had the upper edge. And then towards the last 15 minutes, it was just practically all Pumas. Um, so I think in in the aspect of that, America starts the matchup very well. And America closes the matchup pretty well as, uh, you know, I'm, I'm tended to say that this is the best result because of that. And I think if we would have had our shooting boots on, it would have been an even bigger scoreline. One, one point of comparison I, I draw from the Pumas and the Atlas game is the America defense, I think, is playing absolutely great. I mean, they, they shut down Nico Castillo all game long against Pumas. Um, Atlas, Milton Caraglio was never going to offer the same threat level that Nico Castillo will. So I, in, that, in that regard, I think 
that's why I say that you know maybe the Pumas game and this Atlas game they played at a very similar level. You know, thankfully we were able to get the win against Atlas. And yeah, that's that that shooting accuracy. That's that's what kept us away from three points against Pumas two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um, and yeah, big shout out goes to Bruno Valdez who actually had an amazing game against Pumas, and he, you know, you know, merits this the the same applause this this time around too because he not only shows himself as a quality defender again, but he gets the the goal against Atlas. So, um. We'll touch up. We'll, we'll we'll touch in in regards to the defense because I think that's a that 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 cuts in great into what I want to talk about. America still is undefeated and has shown that defensively it looks like things are going well. Um, I know Dylan, this is something that you brought up in previous podcasts. Who who's going to be that center back part partnering role and who's going to be the back four? I think we have a pretty good guess now. Four games in that uh, that it looks like the back four is going to be Paola Aguilar. Bruno Valdez, uh, Aguilera, and Carlos Vargas. And are you okay with that? Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely okay with that. You know, it just kind of sucks to see Edson not either either not get playing time or possibly not start at all. You know, but it's a solid back line. You know, this this back line has proven time and time again that it can perform. And like Johnny said, you know, shut down Nico Castillo, you know, which is a healthy Nico Castillo and a dangerous Nico Castillo. And so it's a good positive sign too. I I I would say that it does suck to to see Edson Alvarez not make it into this back four. Um, question now regards in with, with with the youngster is whether or not he's going to be able to break into that midfield, and that looks like an even difficult job in it in it of itself. Um, Johnny, I'm going to toss this back at you. Um, do you do you think this is the perfect uh, back line for America for going into the going into the rest of the season? I think it's the perfect backline for what America has. I, I know a lot of people wanted to see Miguel Samudio leave in, in, the, in the transfer market, and he did. I only wanted to see him leave if there was a suitable replacement. I don't think uh, Carlos Vargas is the best option to have at, at left back. But that's, I mean, that's, that's all America has. So that's America's making do with what they got in that position. I think losing Pablo Aguilar was a big travesty i i think uh, i think Cholos came out on top in that three for one trade yeah no and this is no disrespect to martin or joe corona or aguilera they've all three of them have actually played very well so far with america i just think uh pablo aguilera is just that talented but you know for from what what america has i think this is the best possible backline that Miguel Herrera can put together with what he has available. Uh, Bruno Valdez and Aguilera have done a solid job so far. And I think Edson Alvarez is in the correct place sitting on the bench. I don't think I don't think Edson Alvarez level right now is above Aguilera or Valdez. Okay, that's uh, yeah, I mean I, I think a lot of us would agree with that that uh, Edson Alvarez at the moment is not peak Edson Alvarez, you know. Uh, but the kids, the kids still have to, still has a lot of time to grow. And I want to touch a little bit on what you were saying about Pablo Aguilar. Um, do you really think America has missed him, or or is going to miss him at some point? Definitely, and you you can see that in in the Pumas games with all of the crosses that Pumas def, uh, players won in the box. Every, like every cr- 
and this is again a lot to do with Edson Alvarez having to play right back and not being able to stop those crosses from coming in. But once the ball got thrown into the box, it was the Pumas attackers that would win the headers. Thankfully, they weren't they weren't accurate headers, and America was able to survive that game. But having Pablo Aguilar in that box is an automatic. He he wins all the headers, almost every header that comes his way, he wins whether it's defensive or offensively. So. In the long run, yes, I think America will miss Pablo Aguilar. I'm not saying that Aguilera and Bruno Valdez can't, you know, make it work, but it would have been better with Pablo Aguilar. Okay, okay, uh, Dylan, what what are you, what's your take on this? Do you think America is going to miss Pablo Aguilar, or do you think that yeah, we have a pretty solid defense that we we probably won't even uh, you know miss the the Paraguayan? Yeah, no, no I, I totally agree with Johnny. I think in the long run, we actually will. Um, you know, I've said it before, you know, I think uh, Bobby Lada was the person to to lead, like, the youngsters, like, Vargas and Edson Alvarez, probably. And to me, I think he was just, like, the heart of the defense whenever he started. You know, this is a guy that came out and played every week in and week out, and he he proved it time and time again why, um, in my opinion, one of the best in the league. You know, Cholo basically got a steal out of that, and so I – I can see, I can see it hurt in America. Okay, now here's a question for the both of you: Do you think Bruno Valdez could maybe step up and be that kind of leader in the back? He definitely can, and he he has the skill. And I'm I'm not saying that America's gonna hurt. You know, like I said, I I'm pretty pretty confident that Valdez and Aguilera they can make it work. They can be very solid defense. I'm just saying that. With Aguilar, it would have just been that much better, that much stronger. Last season, when I saw the when I saw the trio of of central def- defenders with Aguilar, Valdez, and Guido Rodriguez in front of them, like that triangle to me was the absolute most solid defensively in the entire league. Now you have you know, Valdez, Aguilera, and Guido, so I think America is still pretty strong in that department. I just think it would have been a little, just that much better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's 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 not face it. He was an absolutely amazing defender, but I'm safe. I'm pretty confident to say that I think we're looking at a Bruno Valdez that can take the mantle of Pablo Aguilar. Um, because I know you said in in when it came to winning the ball in the air, I think the best player we have at this moment is definitely Bruno Valdez, and he proved it against Atlas, scoring that scoring that header, uh, and 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 giving us the the, the winning goal. I think, I think we will miss him in certain matchups, like, uh, for example, Tigres, when we have to go up against a very, you know, strong uh, attacker like Guignac. You know, when we face players like that, when we face teams that like to, you know, bombard us with crosses, we might feel it. I think we might feel the the emptiness that Pablo Aguilar has left. But all in all, I'm pretty safe to say that this this back four that Miguel Herrera has found, you know, some kind of cohesiveness and that I think it's only going to be stronger, the connection that they have. Um, I want to touch up on the left-back situation because uh, you said it yourself. You think Vargas is probably not the best player to be in that position. Um, and the, and I think it showed, you know, he had his worst game in an America jersey against Atlas. You know, he's had a pretty decent start to the season, you know what do you what do you make? He's not naturally he's not a left back, but he knows how to play that position. 
Do you think maybe we can see Carlos Vargas kind of convert himself into a left back? Or do you kind of think, you know, let's kind of bring in someone else? I'm all over the, I'm all over the about bringing in someone else that actually is a natural left back, except for Osmar Maris, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, but because, yes, Vargas, Vargas was an unknown 18-year-old at Cholos. Yeah. Then Miguel Herrera debuted kind of at the uh, in the playoff portion because all his center backs got injured. And after, after that season is over, Miguel Herrera brings him over to America. He's still very unknown. Like, even to me, I've I've actually worked within the Cholos organization, and Vargas was quite unknown to me. Um, he's done He's done well so far. I honestly can't say if he if he's able to pick up that left back position or not. Miguel Herrera would know best, and I, you know, I'm I'm like a, to your, to your original question. I'm more of a, the fan of actually bringing in somebody that is a real left back. Okay, okay, Dylan, this is your boy right here. We're talking about you. You stood up for Carlos Vargas. Uh, what do you think? Do you think he he can fill in the shoes of of Miguel Samudio? Or do you think maybe we should uh, maybe start looking at our options and see if we can bring in a, a more natural left back? I think it's going to stay like this because, I mean, if you look at today, it's the 30th. And so it's the transfer room is slowly closing on us. So, I mean, I don't see who we're going to bring in at such short notice. But, no, I mean, I, in all honesty, if even if it was like the middle of January, the beginning of January, I feel like – Carlos Vargas can get the job done. You know, I like the kid. I've seen the kid play. You know, yeah, you know, he didn't have that great of a game against Atlas. But, you know, you, you just got to give him a little bit more time. You know, if Miguel Herrera is going to start him week in and week out like that, it's obvious that Miguel Herrera has the trust in him to play that role. Now, he might not be too comfortable in it, which we kind of maybe saw at the beginning of the season, you know, seemed a little lost. And, you know, obviously against Atlas game. But just I just feel like we should give him a little bit more time to adapt to this adapt to this position and see what he can actually do and if he can actually play this left-back position. Well, one thing also to to judge Carlos Vargas, you gotta you got to set your expectations at the correct place. Carlos Vargas is not going to be Miguel Ayun. He's not going to be Miguel Samudio. You, he's not going to be running up the field and sending in quality crosses. I mm-hmm. think the best we can expect from Carlos Vargas is a solid defender that happens to be on the left side. If he can stop crosses from coming into the box, you know that that to me is a win. Because again, we don't have that Pablo Aguilar in the box to header the ball away. So if Carlos Vargas defensively can kind of shut down that side, that's that's about as the best I can expect out of Carlos Vargas. I'm not expecting him to run up the field and help out offensively. You know, I'm glad you brought that up and because I was about to ask you both uh, just a simple question, if, uh, a yes or no. Could, could Carlos Vargas, in theory, fill in Miguel, Miguel Ayun's shoes if he was given the time and the proper, you know, starting you know, starting minutes and, and, and all that stuff? But I think, you know, it's fair to say, I think your answer would be no. Um, Dylan, what would yours be? I would say no too. I think they're two differently kind of different, different, um, different players, in my opinion. But I mean, 
granted, he is not the most fastest and most paciest left back in the world, but we have seen him kind of incorporate himself into a more forward position when America does get the ball. You see that he does overlap at times. He does kind of give more of an option down the left hand side. He's not really he's not he's not really a defend uh, a left back that kind of stays back. He likes to be a little bit adventurous, and I think we've seen. Uh, he's won us a couple of free kicks and in some in some dangerous positions because he's been adventurous because he has a, a little bit of confidence when he goes up and I think I think he could be proper left back if we give him a little bit more time to mature into the position. Well, I think uh, Miguel Herrera asks asks uh, to go up the field and present himself as an option to do those overlap runs and and honestly, like that's that's the best you can do. You kind of distract the, your opposing team's defense. You have to get somebody to mark them, not leave them wide open. But if I, if I'm the America team teammates around him, I'm looking to play the ball to anyone but Carlos Vargas out on the left side when it's in the attacking portion, because I don't think much will develop out of that out of out of Carlos Vargas having the ball up there. Well, I, I can agree. I mean, when you look at the kid, you don't think, you know, five-star skiller or anything like that. You know, he, he looks like someone who has a pretty good, decent touch to him, but doesn't look like he's going to take on two, three, four players. But granted, he has at times taken on a player or two and, you know, won a foul. So I think his presence is a good one in the sense that if we give him a little bit more time, uh, if Miguel Herrera wraps his arms around him a little bit more, I think we could see a Carlos Vargas develop into a I would want to say a proper left back. You know, I think it's just finding a way to adapt in his, in you know, in his, in his new playing style. And if he's able to do so, I think, I think we can see someone that could, you know, very potentially be a pretty good left back. So, uh, I guess just to throw that out there. I mean, we, we, I guess we'll kind of wrap up the defense and we'll talk in more about the midfield about this game because. Even though we got that victory, even though we looked like we were on top of Atlas for most of the matchup, there was still a lot of uh, imprecise passing. We saw the America give the ball time and time again. This is something that we've been ranting on for, what, five episodes now because we've said this since the first episode. Uh what what do you think? What do you what do you guys think is going on? Why is it that we're so sloppy sometimes when we're building when we're when we're building up to the attack? Just before we completely leave behind the defense, I think Guido Rodriguez is by far the best America player this season. I think oh yeah, the stability that he brings in that midfield, he he kind of he allows the the offensive midfielders to worry about the offense. And he's like, you know what, I got I got the defensive duties. He's like what he provides in that midfield allows Bruno Valdez and Emmanuel Aguilera to have an easier job out there in defense because of everything Guido Rodriguez does. Going forward, I think uh, I think this is still still kind of working things out. I don't think uh, it's just beginning of the season things that need to, to be worked out like the, the precision and the movements and between uh, Mateo Soribe or William Da Silva. I have no idea why he's still playing. I would stick in Joe Corona in that midfield with Guido Rodriguez and Mateo Turibe over Cecilio Dominguez. Okay. Okay. Dylan? 
There's no really to say, you know, I just don't see really how much of uh it's kind of it's kind of a little rotation kind of thing to me with the midfield, you know, with Cecilia coming in, you know, Darwin obviously starting off and him getting into trouble, you know, really, you know, I kind of agree with Johnny, you know, Guido, um, and in my opinion, Renato Ibarra, you know, been the most consistent players in the in the midfield for America, and, you know, those are some guys that should be starting every week. And, you know, you know, like you said, you know, Guido given the you know, some more freedom to worry about the attack and everything. Like that, you know, basically, kind of like what Johnny said, and everything like that. You know, I just feel like we should, you know, we kind of speak about, you know, the possession part of the football too, as well. Holding the possession, um, in the midfield too is, you know, it's the key is the key for me whenever I look at soccer. You know, just your midfield is going to win it back. You know, your midfield is going to make the the proper passes, the good passes, the safe passes. Yeah. I, I want to touch bases on Guido because I think he has been uh, by far America's best player or was at least America's best player against Atlas. Um, you're right, Johnny. He gives he gives you such a safe presence in the midfield. I think, uh, I mean, whenever he got the ball, the way he just kind of turned on, on whoever was marking him, was able to shield the ball really well. And there was no real time when Guido had the ball that you were kind of afraid that he was going to lose him. This is a very different Guido that we saw just a couple months ago who was getting red cards, who was, you know, not looking like the best Guido. What do you think's changed that, uh, you know, we were finally seeing the the top-level midfielder that we wanted? Well, I mean, I, I can only speak to myself, and I, I think I have an unfair advantage over other Americanistas on this subject because I got to see Guido Rodriguez in Tijuana. It's just so impressive to watch him play live. The amount of space that he covers – He'll be defending at the edge of our box, and then he'll be attacking at the edge of their box and putting blasting in shots like the goal he scored against Santos last season. Yeah, uh, you know, last he's always been he's always played a rougher game. I think it's even even when he was in Cholos, he picked up a lot of cards, and it's just a style he grew up in Argentina. That you know, that you just go in stronger to to the challenges over there and. Referees are not as picky as they are here in Mexico, so that's that's just something that kind of cultural differences in his game to to this to here. He might have also been a little nervous coming from Tijuana to Club America. I mean, that's that's a big radical change, and let's not forget he is still very young. He's about 23, 22, 23 years old. So to go from such a small club like Tijuana to the the biggest team in Mexico. That that was a radical change for such a young player to go through. We you know, we, we forget because he's so good, we think he's a little more mature, but he, he's still correct. Yeah, correct. I mean, you see this Guido, and you don't really would seem like, you know, he's this young person. He looks like a very mature player the way he's playing. Um but I think you know, like you said, it's 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 wonderful to see him. I, I'm I'm pretty sure you can appreciate his work even more on, in live. But whatever you do get to see on the television is he does cover a lot of space. He does track. Uh, he does track back a lot. He does seem to be in the right place at the right time for the most part. Being and this whole season since he's been on the pitch, I think America has looked really really stable because the defense really starts at you know with him. You know, once you know it's. If they're able to get past him, which is not easy, then they have a whole back four to deal with, which I think is very impressive to say about Guido Rodriguez, who I think has had his um, 
his fair share of, of 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 wonderful matches. I know it's only been four, but you know, still to to be able to kick off a season like he has, it's it's wonderful to see. I know Dylan mentioned also, if we're still talking about midfield-wise, I think another player that kind of is maybe going under the radar but has had, I think, a spectacular start to the season is uh, Renato Ibarra. Um, you see this guy, he gets on the ball. He's not afraid to go and charge at defenders, and he beats them for the most part. You know, he looks healthy, he looks happy, he looks confident. Uh, Dylan, what is your thoughts on Renato, Renato Ibarra's uh, well start? Yeah, this is a different Renato Ibarra than compared to the last season. You know, this is somebody that's kind of actually playing better than 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 Darwin is right now. You know, this he's he's showing his confidence. You know, he's taking players. You know, he's putting in pretty good crosses into the box and stuff like that. And this is someone who's different. This is someone who's new. This is someone who's actually playing good quality football that Miguel Herrera wants to see being played. Johnny, your take on Renato? You know, it's funny with uh, with Renato Ibarra because when when he first when he first got to America, we were told that this was what he can do. But he wasn't showing it. You know, then he started to get a little better, and honestly, I, I hope that he continues his improvement. He has improved dramatically since he got to America, but I don't I don't think he's there yet. I don't think he's a top player just yet because. Every time I see Renato on the ball, he dribbles, he gets past defenders, he finds the end line, and then more times than not, a really bad cross comes comes about. And yeah, I mean, if you had to, to say something, he's very inconsistent there. So, so yeah, so that's, that's why I say I hope he continues to improve and send in dangerous crosses, put in dangerous passes, and maybe take some more shots. I don't feel he shoots enough. I think he finds himself in open spaces on the right side of the box. I feel like he should be having more shots on goal. So I hope he continues his improvement, but I don't think he's there just yet. I think we can all agree that a healthy Renato Ibarra is a very good Renato Ibarra for the club. I think this is a player that has been hurt with all these injuries, you know, his, you know, trying to adapt to this, you know, lifestyle of Mexican soccer. You know, he, before coming down to America, he was playing in, in, in Holland. So, I mean, it, it, it was quite a little bit radical for him. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, I'd, I'd keep him in the starting 11. He's he's earned his spot on the field. I think uh, he he provides dangerous opportunities. Um, and I just hope to see that as the season progresses, that his level keeps on rising. I think we can both agree. All of us can agree on that, really. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, just like we said, too, you know, this... A, a different level that we've seen the water played before, you know, I agree with Johnny, you know, he's not all there yet, you know, but like, uh, producing, you know, he's doing good things, you know, and so just keeping him in the 11, you know, he's obviously doing better than Darden, and we don't know really what's going on with the Darden Quintero situation right now, but like, yeah, just the starting 11, he needs to play week in and week out. It is interesting. Uh, because it, it seems like we have a pretty good idea of now that we have a pretty solid right midfielder. Now I'm going to ch- jump to the other side of the field, and that is who is going to be our left mid, our left winger. Um, it's pointing to be – it's going to be um, Cecilio Dominguez at the time being. What are your guys' thoughts? Because when America was going to play Atlas, there was a lot of rumors that was Cecilio going to play – did he have a pretty good game up against Pumas? What was his overall performance going to be in this matchup? How would you guys sum up his 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 time 
uh, against Atlas. She played okay, especially in the first half. And I mean, okay, I mean, that's that's it. Uh, not, not even good. Not even not nowhere near great. Um, I think Cecilio Dominguez is only there holding, warming up a spot for the for the two guys that, that were brought in, Ibrahim or Jeremy Menez. Because both both of those players that came in can play on the left side. I think uh, this the sooner we get Cecilio Dominguez out of the starting eleven, the better will be offensively. Uh, even for the time being, I don't I don't know why he's there. I would much rather see uh, Mateo Uribe in a more forward position and have slot in Joe Corona to help out Guido Rodriguez in the midfield. I think Mateo Uribe next to Guido Rodriguez is a wasting. Mateo Solivas' talent offensively. Uh, so I absolutely see no need to have Cecilio Dominguez. I think we can start sending him up to the luxury suite so we can free up a foreigner roster. <laughs> the luxury suites. I like it. I like it. Dylan, your your take on uh, Cecilio. Yeah, just, just playing out average, man. You know, not even... Like Johnny said, not good, you know, but not to me, not bad either. Just average, you know. This is the guy that still doesn't have his confidence, and where his confidence went, we don't know. Been average so far. This is just an average to see the Dominguez, you know. But he's just warming up that spot, like Johnny said too. There's somebody's got to replace him. I don't want him in the starting eleven, you know. Probably on the bench either, you know. Just like you know, in middle, you know, this is somebody that we that. American East is probably one gone too as well. So this is this is a player that if you guys if, if you know Miguel Herrera was trying to get him back to peak Cecilio, if he could get there, would you guys still keep him or would you guys you know prefer have him as far away as 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 possible? No, I, I'm one of those that wants him absolutely gone because even at his peak, I was not impressed. You know, granted. I still had Ruben Sambuesa in my mind. Mm-hmm. Cecilio Dominguez was supposed to come in to replace Ruben Sambuesa. And even at his peak, he was nowhere near Sambuesa. He does not put in, you know, this, the same the same will to win that Ruben puts in. I remember Ruben would be dribbling down the left wing. If he loses the ball, he would make a sprint all the way back to his own box to and slide tackle, try to win the ball back. You know, you just don't see that kind of hustle ever from Cecilio Dominguez. He's, you know, he's not he's not as committed as the guy he came in to replace. So even at his best, I was not impressed. So I just want him gone. Yeah, you you see the jersey number he's wearing too. He's wearing that number ten, and you know, Ivan, you said it a lot too. I mean, that that number means a lot to the club and to the fans, and. What all has he really done? You know, he's well played like like maybe like four good games last season, and then just what like he just, just like falls off. And so if if you're gonna be falling off like that, then I don't want you at the club either. Fair, fair point made by these two gentlemen. Um, I I I stand with with most Americanistas that don't really want to see him in the starting eleven. Um, I don't know how much game time he'll definitely have once we see a very you know, adapted Jeremy Menes and maybe a better Ibargüen. Um, I mean, we should try to sell him at this point. I, I don't think we're actually going to get anything for him because you know, so late in the transfer window, he hasn't really shined. But um, I mean, he could be a pretty decent alternative to come off the bench, right? No, 
I, I say keep keep them around just so we can trade them for Dorlan Pavon. <laughs> okay. All right, but I mean, granted, this 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 guy's still you know fairly young. He's what twenty one, twenty two. I mean, he's still he's still he hit the peak of his career with America. I mean, is there a possibility that he's just maybe a late bloomer? You know, it's it's hard to tell, but especially with like uh, foreigner spots at America, I don't think uh, I don't think America is a team to kind of try out or to see if you develop. I think America is the best team in Mexico, and you need to be at your absolute best to to even be in the team. So, you know, if if he wants to go try his luck and and play with Lobos Boab for a season and get better there, maybe. But America is not the place to to develop. Okay, okay, fair point to be made right there. Especially if you're gonna take a, a you know another Mexican spot, you should at least be. Uh, you know, ten times better. No, not, I wouldn't say another Mexican spot. I mean, that's that's a foreigner spot that someone absolutely better can can take place. Uh, you know, America can only take nine foreigners in each roster, so somebody's got to be left behind every week. And I don't want it to be Jeremy Menez. I don't want it to be even a win. So, much better foreigners could take that spot. Okay, understood. Understood. And uh, maybe let's talk about the debut of the Frenchman himself, Jeremy Menes. Um, came in f- what around roughly the 65th minute of the match, I believe it was. Um, so the Frenchman comes in, uh, you know, the most anticipated debut in you know in in quite some time. Uh, what are you guys' you know kind of thoughts on the Frenchman, Dylan? I'm throw it at you. What's uh, overall? What do you what what'd you think about the Frenchman? I think it was pretty good, you know, obviously it could be better, you know, as he, as time uh, lets him adapt, you know, and he learns the system, he learns the playing style in Mexico, but, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't bad, you know, it was pretty good, you know, had a couple of shots, you know, uh, didn't find the back of the net though, but there's always still room for improvement from the Frenchman, you know, it was, it was a pretty good, I mean, you know, just unlucky he couldn't finish and find the back of the net those few times he had the shot and goal, you know, um, but ju- just, ju- he just needs to adapt more into the playing style that McGuhead wants. And also as, as um, he plays along when the season, how other teams play too, as well, adapting in, um, on the pitch overall. Okay. Okay. Johnny, what's, uh, what's your overall, uh, you know, rating on the Frenchman? So to, to start off with, I really like the fact that Miguel Herrera brought him on for Cecilio Dominguez and kept Henry Martin on the field. I think that was very important. I, I like to see that. I like to see Oribe, Martin, and maybe Menez on the field. Um, I was actually afraid that Jeremy Menez would take Henry Martin's spot, but I'm glad to see that that wasn't the case. As far as his performance, I think, um, you know, he shows sparks of what he can do. I think the, the altitude of Mexico City is still getting to him. It's just... It's, a, it's an ad- uh, a period to, to adapt himself to his new surroundings. So, uh, you know, little by little, I, I hope to see him, you know, more minutes and more minutes. Hopefully, in a week or two, we can see him for a full 45 minutes. And, you know, from there, work, work our way to where he can be a starter. Uh, you know, I, again, I'd love to see the, the three attackers on, on the field and get rid of Cecilia Dominguez. 
Okay, um, so th- here's a question for the both of you, because it sounds like everyone's saying, oh, well, Jeremy Menace is going to take a little bit of time here, a little bit of time there. So, granted, every player needs to adapt to the to the system, to the altitude, to everything that comes with playing in the Mexican League. The question is, is is it okay for Jeremy Menes to take a, a long process to adapt in comparison to maybe someone like, I don't know, uh, Cecilio Dominguez when he had to adapt right away. I think is is it a little bit unfair to kind of ask to to kind of let Jeremy Menes take his time because of his name and get the best Jeremy Menes or should we be pressuring him just the way that we have almost every other foreign player that has come to adapt quickly because we want the best player on the pitch right away and in in the quickest time possible. Well, you know like Johnny said, you know, um, this is the best club in Mexico, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure all Americanistas will say that, you know, about their club. And so, you know, you, you still want the best, you know, but it, it's kind of, to me, it's kind of hard to say, like, how fast you can really adapt to these changes, you know, with the altitude, with the playing style and everything like that. And so, you know, you obviously want that quickly done as possible because, like, he, this guy's a, a big thing, you know, this guy has played with PSG, he's played with big names in Europe, and you obviously want him to get back on that form whenever he was playing so well. And, you know, I want to see this guy play because I've never really seen the guy play. I've just always known another guy, seen highlights of the guy, but I've never actually seen him uh, play, like, a full live game. Um or somebody so i mean well, I, I, was, I, was just, a big, I was a huge fan of Jeremy Menez back when he was at roma I'm a big, that's roma is my european team that i follow because you know francesco to me francesco totti was the italian called blanco so i've i followed Menez for quite some time i loved the way he played at roma and let me tell you when he his his best it's worth the wait uh and I, I think I think we've given Cecilia Dominguez plenty of time. I think uh, we we weren't expecting Cecilia Dominguez to be at his absolute greatest. Uh, we we two with Bria when she first came in. He's Cecilia Dominguez has had three seasons already with America. I think the pressure that's on Cecilia Dominguez right now would be the same, if not greater, than the pressure that Menes will have three seasons from now. So. I think we're giving everybody their, their just their fair time to to get to adapt and to showcase what what they can do with the club. Okay, fair. You know, like you said, we're giving everyone their their just due time to adapt. But for example, you know, let's take you know like Jeremy Menes. Let's say he has he's not performing to the Jeremy Menes that everyone's hyped him up to be two weeks, three weeks, four weeks from now, are we still going to say, well, let's let the player adapt. He'll eventually grow into the great player that he is. Or, you know, because I'm, I'm just afraid that if Jeremy Menes does not perform, Americanistas will kind of just throw it like, oh, he's still getting adapted. He's still trying to get used to it. You know, all of that stuff. When, you know, for example, Gignac, how long did it take him to, you know, start tearing, tearing the league apart? Well, to to actually put put down the day, I think I think we can see absolute peak Jeremy Menez by the by the end of this season, maybe the start of the Liga, and then if he does a proper preseason with America, then we can you know, see him grow with the team you know, after the vacation. But I think that's that's about the right time. I think anything sooner, four or five weeks, I think it's just too much to ask for. 
And I think that's normal of any player that has come into the league. Look at Renato Ibarra. We we didn't really expect Renato Ibarra to be the big-time solution, even though it was uh, Ricardo Pelaez, his uh, kind of fichaje bomba of the season. Yeah. That's what Pelaez made him out to be. And we've never, we've never mounted the pressure on Renato Ibarra either. We've given him his due time to, to adjust to the league. And we're, we're starting to finally see, see it translate now as he's continuing to grow. So I think we need to give uh, the same amount of time we've given Renato Ibarra. I think we need to give it to Mernes. I don't, you know, I, I think four or five weeks it will be just way too quick for us to expect the absolute best Jeremy Mernes. Yeah, no, no. Like I, I can agree with Johnny. No, we can't. You can't expect uh, a player that quickly to adapt. You know, like because other players might have to. And it's just you know maybe maybe like Johnny said the year or maybe the up and through the two. You know, I just you know it's just a strain for for what like two weeks maybe with the team. You know, he's still adjusting to altitude. You know, and also, uh, but they're playing stuff so too. There's also language barrier that not many people face in Mexico. Usually, if you're signing at the Mexican League, it's because you you, you already know Spanish as well. And it, Jeremy Manet, he, he knows Italian, he knows French, but Spanish is not one of the languages he knows. So that's another factor that he has to adjust to understand what Miguel Herrera wants from him on the field. You know, the, you, you saw it during the broadcast how Miguel Herrera was telling Manet, <laughs> yeah. once you get on the field, tell Henry Martin to shift to the left. And so there's there's that there's also that barrier that he needs to get over. So I think we all do need to give him his his just time. Well, I mean, because the only reason I'm saying this is because we're eventually gonna hear it from all these Tigres fans that their Frenchmen tore up the league better and faster and adapted more quickly than ours. And it's just. I mean, should we should we put Jeremy Menes on, on you know the standards like Gignac? Absolutely not. They're two different players. Gignac is a striker, while Menes is a is a forward. He comes a little more from the back. The the way he played at Roma, he kind of played towards the left side of the field. Uh, I I saw him put in more assists at Roma than I did than I saw him score goals. You know, that, that could also be because the way Roma played all around Totti back then, but, he, you know, he's he's not the he's not the striker that Gignac is. So if you want him to be racking up 20 goals a season the way Gignac does, you know, you, you got your expectations in the wrong place. Okay, so well, here's another question. Where is it? Where is Jeremy Menes' best position going to be? Is it going to be behind Oribe? Because some people would think maybe that's a waste of his, of his talent if, you know, we're promised this so-called fast pacey winger is he better off on the left side or where are we sticking Jeremy Menes you know I think uh, in, in the game against Atlas he played behind Oribe Peralta you know once he came in Henry Martin shifted to kind of the, the left wing and Jeremy Menes played behind Oribe Peralta with Ibra Gwen taking the Renato Ibarra's position so I, I think that's going to be the, the best position that we can find Menes is uh behind Oribe Peralta, especially because, you know, he is getting older. The altitude is going to slow him down. You know, he's a very fast player, but that altitude will kill anybody. His age is also going to slow him down a bit. So I think the best version of Jeremy Manet we're going to be able to see is behind Oribe Peralta. 
So I don't think he'll be racking up the goals the way Jeanette does. You were going to say, Dylan? No, no, yeah, just just basically what Johnny just said, too. It's kind of... Uh, just basically what Johnny said is kind of something I was going to mention, too. Uh, just playing behind Oliva and stuff. You know, um, I know one thing that me and you kind of talked about um, off the air and after the Atlas game, you know. Um, you know, Oliva's kind of been kind of quiet to me a little bit. you think there's, like, any chance that... Uh, Maybe Menez could take Oliva's spot, or do you think Oliva's going to start this whole season and, you know, Menez is going to play behind Oliva? I think for the most part, we're going to see Honorio Peralta start. I mean, he's our captain. Yes, he hasn't had the best of of, of, of a season start. I think we're going to see Honorio Peralta that's slowly going to start declining in form, uh, and I think that also has to do with his age. Um, I know for a fact that, I mean, you know, if you really wanted someone to probably take his position, you'd maybe want Henry Martin there since he's having a better time. Uh, I don't really see Jeremy Menes, like Johnny said, kind of in that striker position. Um, I think he feeds off, you know, having having the ability to have someone more forward than him to play off. And I think I, I, it's it for me the best the best part would be to have a you know, pretty good Oriol Peralta in form with a Jeremy Menace behind him because then you also leave a very good option for Ibarwin to start on the left wing too. Just someone we probably haven't talked about and we probably will, but I want to jump to what you were saying about Oriol Peralta. Uh, he, has had, he, he, he hasn't had the best start of the season, um, missing a penalty, scoring one goal, uh, probably should have had a couple more. I'm gonna throw this at you, Johnny. What do you what do you make of our captain so far? Kind of having a pretty quiet season. You know, for for the longest time, I think Oribe Peralta. My opinion of Oribe Peralta is he's how you say in Spanish, you know, cumplidor. He he gets he does his job. You know, he he doesn't go he doesn't go above and beyond. He he does his job. He was scoring his share of goals plus Silvia Romero's share of goals, which I can't tell you how happy I am that Romero is gone. <laughs> America needs a better striker. Uh, I don't think Henry Martin was the solution to to America's need of a better striker. I think Henry Martin does provide you other options and is a pretty good striker himself. But America still needs... He's, America's still missing that Gignac figure, that that deadly poacher in the box. I think Nico Castillo would have been a great uh, transfer to get. Um, America, America's still missing that player of that caliber because Oribe Peralta cannot play that position forever. I think um, if the rumors are correct and America are still out there shopping, I think that would be a very wise choice to, to get. Okay, yeah, that would, um, I guess I don't really got much more to add to that. Uh, what do you what do you see Oriol Peralta's future in America? Do you think he could be definitely benched this season, or do you think he's gonna be playing uh, game in and game out? It it all depends if the rumors are true and that uh, if America is shopping right now for another striker. If if they are, I think uh, I think we'll still see Oriol Peralta play. It's a World Cup season. It's the season before the World Cup. I think uh, he's still going to play. If you know, if he does lose his... Like, if Peralta cannot play at all, I think it would be Henry Martin to take his spot. Um, 
at the striker position. But I, you know, we he signed a contract for until 2020, so we're still going to see him around. If America sign another striker, maybe in the coming seasons, we'll see him just come off the bench. But for this season, we can count on him being in the starting lineup. Okay, here's. Yeah, I, I can agree. Here's a question to the both of you. Do you think uh, Oriya Peralta could pick up his form? Do you think we can see a much better Oriya Peralta than what we're seeing right now? Or do you think this is kind of just a slow, steady decline of his of his game? I can, I can make you maybe see it's kind of starting to be a slow, steady decline in his game because well, he's like 33 now. And so, you know, he's getting to that point where, you know, you start to see the decline. You know, everybody always says that 30 is your declining point, you know, but some people over um oversee it and it's not 30 some players you know it is 30 you know they start to go ahead and decline and it, it might be coming for Oliver Pelata already you know but you know you know he's got Champions League obviously to start and then he's got um the regular tournament to do it so we'll just kind of see and wait you know especially like Johnny said if the rumors are true and the medic is still shopping you know we'll just see how he how he takes it new striker does come in Hopefully the, the presence of Henry Martin uh, you know, in, in training in the games, I think that energy that Henry Martin brings, I, I, I can see that kind of motivating Oliver Peralta to, even though I do agree with you guys, he is at a steady decline. I think uh, that energy that Henry Martin brings, hopefully is a motivation to kind of stop that decline for Oliver Peralta to kind of just work even that much harder on the field, which... I know he's committed to like, like the commitment level. You can always see it's there from Oliver Peralta. I've never had. That's actually one of the reasons why I have nothing against him right now. That his level starting to decline is because he's put in that effort. Unlike guys like Cecilio Dominguez who don't put in that extra hustle. So, like I said, hopefully that that part, the hustle part, will kind of make up for the fact that he is declining. I think, because like, it's a good point you mentioned about Henry Martin's kind of energy and what what he brings to the pitch. I think maybe this doesn't, I think this most ne- doesn't really necessarily help Ore Peralta because I think Ore Peralta kind of feels he found his successor and that now he doesn't have to try as hard. He doesn't have to run as much because he has someone on the pitch that can do that just as well as he did it. I think maybe this is a way of Ore Peralta saying Henry Martin can take my mantle, can take my place, and he can just kind of somehow start to fade away into the background. Yeah, no, no player ever wants to fade away into the background. I, so, I, I, I'm like I said, I'm hoping that Oliver Peralta, you know, finds like that extra motivation to to keep going. Like I said, especially in a World Cup year, Oliver Peralta wants to play in he, in that World Cup. Being on the roster is not going to be enough for Peralta, so I'm hoping that all of those factors combined will give us a good season out of Peralta, and then maybe next season we have a new striker come in, and Peralta could be coming off the bench. But for this season, I, I hope that all the different factors will be motivation enough to get a slightly better Peralta. I think I think I think we're still yet to see the best of Peralta. Uh, this season, I think he just needs to find a little bit more rhythm, like you said. But um, I think overall, you know, it's 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 kind of sad to see you know Peralta kind of have such a 
poor start because, you know, in previous seasons, he's had a really good start and he's had players like, you know, Benedetto, like, you know, Silvio, like all these other players that, you know, in theory, Darwin, we're going to, you know, take the goals and take the limelight in a sense. And he's been able to rise above every single one of these players. And I guess we're just so used to that, that it's, you know, it's a little difficult to see this, um, you know, and, and, Credit to, I think, what you were saying that a lot of, you know, a lot of people kind of recognize his hustle, recognize his determination, his his work ethic on the pitch. And maybe that's why we haven't seen a lot of people call out Rodrigo Prata's name when you talk about a poor start to the season. Yeah, I mean, this, this guy was your leading goal scorer in the last tournament. And, you know, you see you see his hustle, you see his hard work and stuff like that. And, and, and it pays off in the end. The end on a high note in his career. Johnny, I know you were trying to get a word in. Yeah, yeah. So the, the, that hustle you were saying—that's that, just been the key because it's that hustle that that kind of allowed Americans the luxury of having such a horrible striker like Silvio Romero around. It's because the Oliver Peralta would put in that hustle and put in the the work of two strikers all by himself. Yeah. Uh, very understandable. Well, I think that kind of wraps up the Atlas review, and then we started more talking in depth about players themselves. But it's, either way, it's, it's it's still well because it'll it'll, it'll work perfectly onto what we were trying, what we're going to try to talk about next, and that's going to be the preview of the Lobos Bot match. So all in all, in the end, Atlas uh, end up going, you know away with no points we we stay with all three the result one nil like i stated before uh i guess pretty much the feel of the room is uh we're pretty happy with the results and there's nothing really else that uh is there anything else you guys want to want to add on about this no i don't no i think um i think once once the newcomers like start you know getting into a better rhythm we're gonna see a lot better better results I think that, uh, if this game would have been played in week maybe 10 or 11, I think the score could have easily been 3-0. Yeah, yeah, I think easily could have been 3-0. Unfortunately, Jeremy Menez does not get his debut goal, which it looked like it was a very, very good possibility. Um, but it, it, it looks like good things are, are, are to come from the Frenchman. I know uh, a lot of people highly rate him, as I, as do I. I think we'll see a great Jeremy Menez. Hopefully in a much quicker time frame than what we've said right here, because I think Americanistas want to see a Jeremy Menez now perform. Um, but I guess that's really uh, a fan kind of, you know, every fan wants to see whatever new player comes in to perform at a high quality level. So the game ends three points. Uh, we're still undefeated at this point in the season and hopefully can continue to look pretty strong. Um, We'll kind of shift into the preview match right now, but before so, I kind of want to talk a little bit about transfers since it is almost the end of the transfer window in January. I know, we, I know Johnny, you touched about it a little bit too. It's official now today. America has announced that Independiente have bought Cecilio Doming uh, sorry, not Cecilio Dominguez, Silvio Romero. So it looks like the number nine has left uh, Coapa, and I know to many, uh, to many Americanistas, that's uh, pro probably the best news we're going to get all week. Great news. My condolences to Independiente. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Silvio Romero has left the club, but also another name that has left the club is Cristian Paredes, who has joined the Portland Timbers at MLS. Uh, what do you guys make of this? Should we even really, you know, make make much noise about it, or you think it's uh, 
someone who, who probably wasn't right for America. I don't think that's much nice to just not somebody who was really fit in America. That that can that Christian Paredes presence in America summed up the presence of Ricardo Pelaez's presidency. This guy wanted to I don't know if they gave him a a bigger bonus for every dollar he saved in transfers because he would not go shopping at all. <laughs> and these players like Christian Paredes well, I, I don't think he ever saw a minute with the first team. I think he played with the U twenty his entire time. Yeah, he wasn't really a player that a lot that featured a lot, really. Um, I mean, there was you know a lot of people said really good things about this kid that he had the brightest future. Even some European teams were still looking at him. Um, but I mean, he joins the Portland Timbers. That's another spot that. Uh, America can now fill in with a better quality foreigner, and that's you know it, it helps out with the balance. I believe there's a Costa Rican or Honduran kid that came in with with Paredes. Jason Torres. Yeah, Jason Torres. There's, there's another one that you know Belias would bring in just just so he he can say he brought in players, but you know honestly did the first team absolutely no good. Yeah, Jerson also has left the club too. Um, he's gone back to Costa Rica, so they didn't have a really good spell with America either. I guess the only kind of highlight he would have really was that time he was going to play against Pumas, but America hadn't registered him properly, so he wasn't even able to make it to the bench. So, I mean, really, like you said, it, it, these two players probably weren't the best uh, quality. I think. That was towards the end of Ricardo Pelaez's tenure at, at America. So, you know, uh, kind of good for them in the sense that they get to go play somewhere where they might see minutes. And even better for us as uh, we kind of don't have to carry that extra weight around. Um, also, in the news, it was, be- it was being speculated that America was going to get uh, Carlos Baca. Uh, Miguel Herrera has now come out and has kind of crushed those rumors and said that Carlos Baca is not the striker they were going for. But it sounds like America is in the shopping market and they are, uh, you know, pretty much running out of time at this point. And if America wanted to do something, they're going to have to do it towards the end of the transfer window, which is going to be tomorrow, roughly around, uh, what do you say, one o'clock our time. So, you know. It, America has, you know, the, the clock is running down on America. At the, at this point, if they don't have a really top-quality striker, I feel like they're, you know, they're, they're going to start to panic and they might just want to buy just, you know, to buy. Because the name that's been thrown out there is Josie Altador. I want to take, uh, what do you two gentlemen think about this name, Josie Altador, coming to Las Aguilas in America? I think it'd be a little weird, you know. You got Landon already here, and it's... I don't know. Like I'd have mixed feelings about it a little bit, but I don't think he, f- I don't think he truly fits what Miguel Herrera is trying to do here at America and with uh, his tactics and his formation. And I don't, I think if, I think it's kind of like what you said, it's just buying just to buy, player. You know, I'll I'll further elaborate. I might sound a little harsh, but I don't think Josie Elster is good enough. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't think he's America quality either. I think if if America's looking to MLS, it's Jovinko or nothing. I have called for Jovinko's name for the long... I know you've called it for even longer, but it's just, you know, splash the cash. Actually, one, one of, once, 
one forward. I, I don't even think he's a real striker, but one forward, former MLS player that I think would be great at America, who's absolutely not an option right now because of the Mexican draft, is Camilo Sanvezzo. He would do absolutely wonderful at America. Really? Yes, Camilo Sanvezzo is one of those. He tore his ACL when he first arrived at Querétaro. So, you know, he's not been the absolute brightest. But I think between him and the, and the players that we already have, like Martin, like Menez, like Gibraltar, like Renato, I think between, I think Camilo Sanvezzo would add, you know, something extra there in the, in the attack. I remember he was very hyped uh, a lot because of what he was doing in the MLS. Like you said, unfortunately, gets that injury. And really haven't seen the same of him at Querétaro. Interesting, though, that you point him out. This is someone that a lot of people wouldn't actually really put or recommend for America. Um, but I think it's safe to say we all can agree Atador is not an America player. Um, he is a very physical presence, in a sense, kind of like Nico Castillo is, but his touch is not the same. His accuracy is not the same. His shooting is not the same. I think he's a good MLS striker, and I think that's pretty much it after that. You don't really see him kind of taking either Oribe or Henry's spot. So what do you guys make of these rumors? Do you think this is just the press trying to, you know, just fill in a name? Or is it really that America are looking into Josie Altador? It could be it could be a leak out of the America office just to distract everybody to who they're really going after. That'd be smart. Yeah, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I think it's just a bunch of this nonsense and rumors that uh trying to cover up after. So Santiago Baños, I think, said it's either down between an Argentinian or a Colombian. And it looks like it's a striker. It looks like America, no matter what, is going for a striker. And I want to point this out because I know you said that you were worried that Jeremy Menes was going to take Henry Martin's spot. Now that if we do bring an extra, if another striker to the team, it looks like Henry Martin's minutes may go down even more so. Do you, do you like the fact that America is going for a striker, or would you like them to maybe kind of reinforce, I don't know, the left-back position? I'd be very happy with a striker because I don't think right now, even as, as well as Henry Martin is playing, Henry Martin is no Gignac. He's no Ener Valencia. I think, uh, I think America need a player of that caliber to compete with the Monterrey clubs. And if you're talking about Colombians, I'm really hoping it's Jackson Martinez. I think I think all of us are hoping it's Jackson Martinez. What he was able to do in Europe and what he's been able to do with the national team, what he's what he was able to do down here in Mexico, again, you know, with Jaguares, um, he would be a great addition. Dylan, what are your thoughts about you know America? You know, with this whole striker deal, would you also want to see a striker come in? Or would you rather see this money being spent towards maybe reinforcing a weaker area of the pitch? No, oh, yeah, I, I agree with the both of you. You know, I would love to see another striker come in uh too, you know, just to bring more competition in with uh Henny Martino Diego Perata too as well. And you know, I've me and you kind of talked about it too in the previous episodes and what I've kind of figured would too is also um possibly a little rotation that's coming whenever Champions League starts up too. You know, because um, you're not going to have Oribe Parata probably playing um, on the weekend and come Tuesday or Wednesday play again and have him keep doing that as well. You know, you're going to kind of want to see um, somebody else step in too, fill in some shoes, whether um, one of them starts in the Champions League and comes off the bench in the weekend or vice versa. Yeah, I, I 
Okay, notably understand. Um, so then, who would you guys throw 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 in the in the mix? Who would you guys? I know you said Jackson Martinez is, is, is a is one of your options, Johnny. But anyone else that you haven't mentioned that you would that would you really would like to see striker wise come to the come to, come to Coapa? You know, at this at this point, it's just we're just throwing out names for for the for the fun of it, for the sake of it. Um, I don't know, like uh, Aniño Torres would even be good. He, okay. He a few seasons ago, uh, I know he's old, but he's I think a player of his quality would be would be great uh, for for America. Um, but yeah, other, other than that, I I'm I'm more of a Let's wait and see what America does, and just start speculating. Do you have confidence in this America side to actually buy a good player, or do you think at this point we're just panicking and we're just gonna buy to buy? I think uh, I think with the departure of Belize, I think now I have a little more confidence in the current administration. I had absolutely zero confidence in the way Belize brought in transfers and. Uh, the fact that he's gone and that, that that itself gives me confidence in the the American administration will do the right thing in regards to transfers. Okay, uh, Dylan, you uh, want to throw out a name? Um, no, I mean just just kind of like the few names I said, you know, Jackson Martinez, Jovinko, not really nobody else. You think America still just, you know, do you have faith that, you know, the board's going to make the right decision? Or do you think at this point we're just splashing cash just to kind of fill in the gap? I want to have my faith right there with the board. But at the same time, you know, with with such a little amount of time, you know, it's kind of kind of scary, you know, whether they're just splashing the cash or if they're actually making a good decision. So kind of have mixed feelings about it a little bit. Well, I can agree with you guys, and I'll close out the segment by throwing out my own name and maybe here, uh, Falcao. Would love to see Falcao. That, that'd be, that'd be I think Falcao would be a good option. Yeah. I think uh, right now LA Galaxy are trying to get Slatan Ibrahimovic, so even that would be good. We were uh, we were actually talking about this off 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 the air. Uh, me and Dylan were messaging around saying that. What if all these LA Galaxy were just kind of like a front because Americo's actually going to get Slatan? And that'd be like the biggest deal and the best deal ever. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still hoping that, uh, that Giovanni Dos Santos somehow ends up at America one day, but I'll settle for Slatan. Who wouldn't? And it's not, you know, it's crazy because I, we can sit here and talk about all the crazy names that have been linked to America before, you know, like Ribery, Slatan, Danilo Torres, Falcao. Uh, you know, I can go, you know, on and on. And is this, you know, hopefully one of these days, one of these names falls. But it would be nice to to settle for a Slatan, who I think could add a lot of presence in the box. And you know, even a seventy five percent Slatan could tear the league up more than I think Gignac could. I don't know why Slatan would even consider America or Galaxy at this at this exact moment. I think uh, if I was Slatan, I'd be trying to come out of retirement because Sweden made the World Cup. Oh, he's definitely gonna come out. Yeah. So, yeah. If I was Slatan, I'd be focusing on playing the next six months in Europe at the highest level possible, so that I can be in that World Cup. And so you're thinking? 
And you, then you, maybe after the World Cup, think about retirement clubs like Galaxy or, you know, hate to put in our beloved America in that category, but for Slatan, it would be a retirement club. We'd still get an amazing Slatan. So we'll see what the what the Swedish uh, international decides to do. Hopefully, it does pick the bright yellow. Uh, would be an awesome would be an awesome thing to do to have a Slatan. Uh, alongside with Jeremy Menez. So pretty much that wraps up transfer talk. It looks like we're going to get a final decision come tomorrow, whether or not America adds. Um, there could be one more departure, and it looks like it could be either Darwin Quintero or Cecilio Dominguez. Uh, nothing really is concrete at this point. Uh, we'll have to wait to see. I think at the end of the day, um, I want to say that America's board is doing the right thing. and us three here, and I know like a lot of Americanistas have faith that you guys are going to do the right thing, that they're going to spend the money wisely, and that whoever does come in uh, does a pretty, pretty good job at that. So that pretty much wraps up our transfer talk in regards to who has left and who is coming. So I want to talk now about a uh, the matchup that comes after and that is the matchup against Lobos WAP. So it's time to preview what we think is going to happen, what we think the lineup is going to be. We're going to talk all the nitty-gritty stuff about that. Uh, gentlemen, what, are your, what is your take? Uh, how's your confidence in regards to coming up against Lobos WAP in the Southern Seca? I think it's going to be good. It's going to be a good game. You know, um, Lobos WAP, obviously not an easy team. You know, they've had some... Some brilliant, um, not necessarily brilliant starts, but they've had they've had some uh, good goals. You know, there's it's not a team to like play around with, even though they're newcomers and like uh, they're still fairly new to the league and stuff like that. So I mean, it's gonna be a good game overall, but I don't see why we can't go out and get the three points. Uh, I I think America could go out there and eat them up completely. I think uh, Lobos Wap is one of those teams that that I don't know why for the life of me tries to attack, 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 and forget about defense, especially when they're fighting relegation. And I think uh, a solid America defense can can absorb whatever pressure the Lobos attack will have. And then our attack is more than capable of putting three or four past their very weak defense. Okay, so the confidence is high. Obviously, uh, Lobos Bob, like you mentioned, that has a lot of gaping holes down at the back. Um, yet, though, it looks like whenever we come up against a team that is struggling, America always comes in as favorites, yet we always don't always walk out with the result that we are hoping for. For perfect example, Atlas, a lot of people were expecting America to put two, three behind the Soros, yet we weren't able to do so. Uh, what do you think happens? Do you think America just kind of gets a little bit overconfident in these situations, or do you think the team that we're playing up against actually steps up to the moment? Well, a lot of the time what ends up happening is the opposing team kind of locks themselves in the back and makes things very difficult for America, and sometimes it's, you know, America can't figure out how to break that down. But what I'm saying is that Lobos are not the type of team to do that. I think Lobos are a little naive, and they and they will not lock themselves up in the back. And I think America can take advantage of that. Okay, Dylan. Yeah, I know, like, I, yeah, I can I can agree with Johnny. You know, it's just whether or not you know we can bring our shin boots to the game. You know, there's a couple of times you know, like in the Pumas game, you know, we 
three points. And, you know, and against Atlas, you know, we should have had possibly like about three goals, in my opinion. You know, it's just it's just if we come out, you know, if we can finish our chances and our opportunities. All right, gentlemen. Well, um, what do you think America has to do well in order to secure three points against a, a relatively weak Lobos Bop? Finishing to me is finishing. You know, um, we've already talked about the back line. The back line is pretty solid. Um, you know, I I'm I'm expecting a clean sheet this game. You know, but like I want to see more than just one one goal this game. Yeah, agree. The the finishing is going to be key. I think uh, just keep doing what you're doing defensively because it's been working out very great, and just work on that finishing. Even even use this game as an opportunity to get those newcomers some some minutes, get them get them, get them some rhythms towards the more important games. Agree, agree. Okay, um, I think America. You know, if they start off strong the way they have been, you can see this is America who looks a lot more confident on the ball. I think the very key thing, like you guys said, is definitely going to be whether or not we have our shooting boots on, but whether or not we can, you know, keep working as a solid unit. I think our passing has been pretty well, even though we have a tendency to lose the ball. But if we can, you know, keep that rhythm going, if we can kind of perfect in that sense, this is a very good opportunity to gain even more confidence, get your shooting boots back on, and kind of, you know, because the next matchup is against Tigres away at the Volcan, which is going to be a very difficult matchup. So I think this could definitely be a very good game in which America kind of tweaks and kind of gets everything perfect leading up to that matchup. So... I think, like you, like you guys said, the shooting is going to be very key. I think, you know, just keep doing what you've been doing, which has been, you know, working good at defense, uh, you know, orchestrating a good midfield and kind of just moving along pretty well. I think Herrera, for that matter, has had his tactics right. I think in the end, just the shooting needs to improve. I'm, I might even go um, for like the regular four in the back like he's been doing all season against Lobos and then against Tigres, a five in the back and maybe put in Echon Alvarez there with Aguilera and with um, Valdez. Um, just kind of switch things up, be a little more solid against Ednet Valencia and against Gignac. So it's uh, kind of, I think, I think even Herrera might be even looking to see that Tigres game as well. You know, just already looking past Lobos. Yeah, yeah, but it's important that we don't uh, discredit this team because, you know, they have pacey players. They have some pretty good forwards. Um, so if we kind of give them too much, uh, you know, leniency, they could in the end affect us. Uh, nothing is guaranteed in this life, especially when it comes to playing, uh, you know, in the Azteca. So hopefully the team can, can perform and get the results. Uh, just want to quickly touch up. What do you guys, what's your predicted lineup? I'm going to throw it at you first, Dylan, then I'm going to let you go after after Dylan Johnny and then I'll give my predicted lineup. Um yeah I'm gonna stick with the basic formation that Miguel has been playing, you know. So I'm gonna go with Marchistin, obviously go uh Baguilar, um Bruno Valdez, Aguilera and Carlos Vargas. And then I'm gonna have Renato Ibarra. Uh we got Uribe um um Mateus Uribe back. Mm-hmm. And um and Joe, so I would actually I would switch Joe and Oribe, um, and Oribe probably, and then obviously up top I would have a uh, Henny Martin and Oribe. Who's your left mid? Um, Uribe, Mateus Uribe. Oh, Mateus Uribe is your left mid, and then your your mm-hmm. pairings uh, center mid is uh, Guido and Joe. Okay, okay, Johnny, your lineup. That's 
that's the lineup that I personally would use. Unfortunately, I think um, I think uh, Herrera's going to send out Mateus Uribe a little more towards the towards the center with Guido. He'll have uh, Renato on the right. And I don't know why I fear that he's going to put in Cecilio Dominguez once again in that left midfield position. I, I hope he doesn't, but unfortunately, my hopes are not, uh, are not what, what Herrera usually goes, after, goes with. So that's uh, my, my line of the back four Aguilar, Valdez, Aguilera, Vargas. The two center mids, Guido and Mateo Soribe. The two outside mids, Renato and Cecilio. And the two forwards, uh, Henry Martin and Peralta. Interesting, interesting. I'm going to go completely different with you guys. I'm thinking going with a 4-3-3. I think he's going to go back line, uh, Paul. It's going to be Bruno. It's going to be Aguilera. It's going to be Vargas. In the center defensive mid, we're going to see Guido Rodriguez. In the center mid, uh, in the two center mids position, I think we're going to see uh, Mateus Uribe, and we're probably going to see either Edson Alvarez or Joe Benny Corona. Um, I want to say either or. Uh, on the right, we're going to see Renato Ibarra, and on the left, we're going to see Cecilio Dominguez up top, Oriel Peralta. I think Henry Martin gets uh, gets a rest after playing with the Mexican national team. Takes on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about Cecilio Dominguez being a winger, but I, I don't know. I, it's all possible, but I, I still think Henry must have placed. Well, um, would be interesting to see whether or not he does get minutes. Uh, well, I guess it all depends whether or not he gets minutes in the Mexican national team as well, too. Uh, would be interesting. Let me double check, but isn't Oribe called up to the, to the no. national team? No, 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 Oribe wasn't called up for this national team. So, um, I think for the most part, we'll, we'll, we'll see Henry either get, you know, come I, off the bench. I actually, uh, you said, you mentioned Edson Alvarez. I think Edson Alvarez has more of a chance of playing tomorrow with the Mexican national team like he does on the weekend with America. Interesting. That's why I kind of put Joe Benning Corona in that situation because I think you know with with Edson you know getting called up, he might not get the you know the the proper rest in order to be able to be fit for Saturday's matchup. The, the reason I say this is because Juan Carlos Osorio has is very stubborn with the fact that he he doesn't like to call up right backs and he likes to improvise guys like Edson Alvarez in the right back position. So. There's more of a chance of Edson playing right back for Mexico than he is of taking a spot out of uh, out with America. Interesting. Interesting, though. Well, I think that's the lineup that uh, I'm going to go with. I'm more lenient to go with your guys's. I think he might stick with the 4-4-2, give, you know, you know, hey, what's worked is going to keep on working. Um, you guys pretty confident about this matchup? We said uh, just – Kind of to sum it all, you know, sum it all up, kind of bring it all together. What do you guys' uh, prediction is for, for Saturday's matchup? I'll go 3-1 for Medica. Win. 4-1. I'm going to go 2-0. 2-0 in favor of America. Uh, not the most brightest of games, but I think we'll definitely see a very, very strong core squad perform. Hopefully, we get to see Noria Peralta bag in a couple of goals. 
himself. So pretty happy with that. Um, we're going to move on. We're going to talk a little bit about the Mexican national team in just a little bit because, uh, of course, their, you know, quote-unquote big matchup is against Bosnia. Um, I kind of, before I want to jump into the details of that matchup, I want to get your reaction because we we took a little reaction uh, on fri- last Friday. Uh, I want to get your reactions on this, uh, Johnny. Exactly what is it, uh, you know, you see the lineup. I mean, you see the, the roster that gets pulled up. Uh, what what stands out to you? What do you like? What don't you like? I mean, I to start off with, I don't like the fact that Mexico's playing a game on a non-FIFA date where you can't call up your best players. Do you think it's just a waste of 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 you know of of resource to not be able to play with a full, you know, strong squad? Yeah, I don't I don't see the point of of these. This is exactly the definition of what they call a. Uh, Molero game, you know, it's just just for the money, um, you know, just local, just local league and Mackey's players. I, I don't see the point of, of this game, but you know, the as far as surprises, uh, in the in the call up, um, Manuel Lahut, the, the goalkeeper for Cholos, is, is a surprise of very well earned. Uh, Jonathan Orozco. The goalkeeper for Santos. I don't know what he's doing there. I don't. You know, he was probably once national team quality. I don't think he is anymore. And other than that, I, I'm excited to see Cesar Montes back national team. Yeah, it's Jorgen Dam. I don't know what he's doing there. I don't think he's very good. Yeah, especially after everything that's been going on with him, with you know the firework incident and the police escorting him outside of, of a restaurant, and, and his overall lack of talent of this whole soccer thing. The kid is fast; he can dribble a ball to the end line, but ask him to do anything else besides dribble really fast, and he's just lost. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't really shown what he's really capable of ever since he left Pachuca. Uh, a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for the kid. Hasn't really filled up to that potential. Um, so I'm going to throw this one at you, Dylan. Um, do you think that we're going to be able to see a pretty good performance out of this team? Or do you think it's going to be kind of those, you know, boring matchups where you don't really see the point of it and you don't really think that it's a preparational match? Because like Johnny said, we don't have all our players who are, you know, in theory going to be starting at the World Cup. Yeah, that was that was something I kind of felt to mention and whenever we talked about this Friday, you know, I don't really see a point in these because, you know, not everybody's guaranteed uh, playing time, you know, even if you get playing time, you know, it's probably very little um, or a lot depending on when you get subbed in. And so, you know, I don't really see a point in games that much either. The only thing I can kind of see, you know, is, um, you know, there, there are some probably uh, local players from, uh, from Liga Mekis that are probably going to make the trip to Russia in the summer, and, you know, Sodio probably wants to see them play um, a little bit too to get an idea who he's going to take and everything like that. Um, the only thing that really stands out to me that I kind of understand why, you know, this game is important, you know, is to finally um, capture Jonathan Gonzalez to the national team, you know, now that he's uh, from the United States to uh, Mexico. The game itself doesn't capture him, though. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. The, this is not a FIFA matchup. Yeah. The fact that he asked for the one-time switch from FIFA and the, the fact that he got that approval, 
that's that's what capitalized him to to Mexico, because there's there's no way to switch back. It's a one time thing. Yeah, but just something we touched about yeah, on, that, yeah. in the last podcast, like you know, you made that, you've made that switch, and you've made that commitment. Now you kind of have to put all your kind of you know best foot forward because now you really have no way back. It is interesting because I'm I'm glad we're touching upon this because Johnny, what, what's your take on this youngster? This you know this this youngster who's had all of this you know uh, you know spotlight because of the fact that the men the U.S. men's national team you know wanted him and ended up choosing the Mexican national team. Do you think that this kid has you know all the qualities and will definitely step up and be the next face of the Mexican national team, or do you think he has a possibility of cracking under the pressure? I th- I think he's going to be a solid Mexico player. I don't, I don't think I, I've seen Monterrey games, and I think he's a solid player. I think he can grow to be just a little better, but I don't, you know, I don't see something so spectacular either. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see the second coming of Ronaldinho. <laughs> well, I mean, if you put it in that sense, I mean, the kid, <laughs> yeah, that that would be pretty tough. But I mean, as far as I think the United States does lose out on a very player because the United States doesn't have players like Jonathan Gonzalez. Jonathan Gonzalez can offer you something that Michael Bradley cannot offer you, something that uh, Kyle Beckerman cannot offer you. So I think that the United States did lose out on a very good quality player. But in Mexico, there's other players that can fill the role that he does. So yeah, he's still good. He's still talented. And I think he's going to be a solid Mexico national team player, but there are other players that can do exactly what he does. Yeah, definitely. Although some U.S. men national team uh, fans will argue that Weston McKinney can do the same thing as him, but I mean, that's neither here or there for us to discuss about. Um, but I think you're right. I think he needs to step it up because, he, like you said, there is a lot of players who can come in and take his position because nothing is granted, nothing is given. If he really wants to earn his spot, then he not, he not only does he have to perform day in and day out in Monterrey, but when he gets these chances, he has to show us, the fan base, that he's here and he, and that he has the quality to be the best player in that position. Yeah, the, the fact that he's starting over a guy like Jesus Molina at Monterrey really says a lot, a lot to me. Like, he is very talented, that Turco Mohamed has full confidence in him, and Believe me, I respect Turco Mohamed quite well. I think Turco Mohamed is is the best Liga MX manager as uh, right now, the absolute best. So if Mohamed sees him better than a guy like Jesus Molina, who I think is very talented, then that must mean something. And this whole situation with Jonathan Gonzalez, I think, is just really shines like or really duplicates the, the embarrassment the U.S. national team is living right now, not qualifying to the World Cup, having an absolute circus out of their presidential elections, and this just yeah. come, this Jonathan Gonzalez situation just comes in and make, multiplies everything even further for the U.S. Soccer Federation. That's true. That's true. Um, it is, it, it is kind of like a slap in the face for them. And it is a victory for us in that sense. So hopefully the kid can perform. Hopefully, uh, I, I think it's fair to say that I think we're, are you guys all confident that he's going to start uh, tomorrow against Bosnia? Yeah, I mean, 
We, I, I don't think uh, Osorio went through this whole circus to sit him on the bench. I think I think so. You know, Osorio came on and said too that he doesn't really see him as a C CDM though. He more sees him like as an attacking player. So I'm just kind of interested to see where he exactly starts and how he plays throughout the match. So that's just one thing I'm kind of looking forward to to tomorrow is seeing how he plays and where he plays. Which leads on perfectly to a subject that you know, Johnny. I'm pretty sure this is probably one of your favorite segments. Is what is going to be Osorio's tactics coming into this matchup against Bosnia? Well, let me go flip a coin. Times, so. <laughs> well, go on, go on, explain, elaborate yourself. Um, you know, Juan Carlos Osorio loves to. We all, we've all heard of the rotaciones, the rotations that Osorio does. I think, um, I think the two biggest mistakes that Osorio does is oddly, he's very consistent with the fact that he doesn't call up right backs. The fact that he doesn't use center defensive mids, I don't know what kind of solutions Jonathan Gonzalez is going to offer him in the center defensive mid position. But for example, in the Confederations Cup, he left out uh, Jesus Molina, the only real center defensive mid, and the, that fact made Giovanni dos Santos and Marco Fabian look really bad because you, you get these talented players to play, you know, in the middle of the field and. You, they have these defensive responsibilities that they can't live up to. It makes your players look bad. So I've always had that against Osorio. He doesn't use correct center defensive mids. He doesn't use correct right backs. I mean, Diego Reyes is being was being ridiculed in the Confederations Cup because they put him to play right back. So unfortunately, I think tomorrow is going to be more of the same. I think we'll maybe even see Edson Alvarez at right back. He's done it before, but that's not his position. Edson you know, Alvarez is better, is best as a center back, if not a defensive mid. Third option is the right back, but that's Osorio's. I feel Osorio's setting up Mexico to to failure by doing these kind of things. Yeah. Yeah, some people would agree. Now, of course, you know, if you guys don't know, Johnny is not Juan Carlos Osorio's biggest fan. Um, you know, there's some people that would argue against you that, you know, he's had some, you know, that, you know, kind of just let him, uh, let him, let his, let him do his thing. Don't really, you know, put too much pressure on him and just kind of let him, you know, kind of take his course. If, when it comes down to playing against Bosnia in a, in a non-FIFA match day, great, go for it, knock yourself out. When it comes down to playing Salvador in a World Cup qualifier, great, go for yourself, experiment all you want. But the problem is, once you start facing the Chiles, the Germanys of the world, well, you know, you've seen what happens. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm going to throw that at you, Dylan. Um, what's your take on Juan Carlos Osorio, uh, not only just for tomorrow, but just kind of in general? Yeah, at first I was kind of uh, um, okay with him, you know, whenever he came on. And then, you know, you, you get some bad results here and there, you know, on – I was kind of part of that few that was like, oh, yeah, I want Osorio out, you know, uh, fire Osorio and stuff like that. But, you know, now I just kind of feel like, you know, it's it's too, it's, you know, even, even from even with last year, you know, people were complaining of having, having him out. And, you know, but I was like, it's just kind of, uh, you know, obviously it's too late now. You know, you're in the FIFA World Cup year. So, you know, I just, I just say let him play it out. You know, um, sometimes I don't, 
really all the time. I don't agree with what he does, you know, playing players out of position and stuff like that. But play it out, see what happens, you know. Um, if if he does, if uh, the federation lovely does in the World Cup and he agrees to the extension, then yeah, I mean, I'm gonna have a problem with that because I'm not gonna really kind of want to see him back after the World Cup and take a different route with the team. I say win, lose, or draw tomorrow. I say fire him. <laughs> well, there you guys have it, ladies and gentlemen. Johnny is, is calling for Juan Carlos Osorio's head, regardless. Johnny, if we win the World Cup, would you still call for his head? Win the World Cup. The Mexico's biggest goal is always that fifth game. I'm, I'm hoping that I'm hoping I'm praying that we get to the standard four games that we always do, because that that would that would be a win. That would be very lucky. Looking at Mexico's group, Sweden, Germany, and um, Korea. Korea, you know, you, maybe you get a win against Korea. That's about it. I, you, I, this is the same Sweden that eliminated Italy out of the World Cup. I don't think Juan Carlos Osorio can beat that Sweden. Definitely don't think they can get anything against Germany. So, you know, that's two losses that I'm counting already for Mexico. Not many teams qualify out of the group with two losses. Well, that's true. Juan Carlos Osorio, if you're listening to this, we are we apologize for Johnny Rico hurting your feelings. Um, it's true though. I mean, with 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 a sense of of caution, you you kind of have to think about how this team's gonna go up against these kind of these these sides, and which kind of brings back to what you were saying. You know, in these matchups, in these kind of like you know filler matchups, you know, they're just they're just basically a match for, for you know just to make business out of it. You don't really see a point because many people would just argue that this is a matchup that you use to see some of those potential players in the league that could make it to Russia, which, you know, all in all would be okay, you know, but wouldn't you rather, like you said, see a full strength squad give more chance to kind of play together, build together for the World Cup? Yeah, yeah, I would rather see that more, you know. Uh, regardless of of the players, some players not getting a lot of playing time, you know, regardless of that, um, I still feel like Osorio is going to call them up. And, you know, this, this is probably the only amount of playing time that they're going to get. You know, this team already needs to build, you know, um, kind of feel like a brotherhood a little bit within the locker room, within themselves, you know, um, knowing that each player has each other's back going into this, uh, this big stage, you know, where we have a lot of expectations for them. And, you know, I'd, I'd rather see – now um getting um game time together so that way they can build together get a get that chemistry together they would it would have been nice to see all of that but uh gentlemen what can uh what can fans expect out of tomorrow's matchup what do you guys uh what do you guys think probably a, a bit of a boring game yeah you know i kind of heard some things you know from when bosnia played uh the united states and you know it, you know much about Bosnia, you know, and, you know, the United States, obviously, you know, bringing a lot of young MLS players that I've, that I've already, you know, I didn't even know half of that roster that they put out, you know, so, you know, it wasn't good. So I'm kind of nervous to see what to expect from tomorrow. You know, maybe it might be boring, maybe be a little exciting, uh, but it's kind of up in the air for me. Johnny, what's your take? What do you, what, what can, what can fans expect out of tomorrow's matchup? experiments more wondering why he's experimenting that way 
Uh, for myself, I'm going to be asking why isn't Paul Aguilar ever being called up, especially when you have no other right backs. So just more of the same usual nonsense and questions that never get answered. Well, I think uh, for the most part, I think we can expect a pretty, you know, end-to-end matchup in a sense where Mexico is going to try to because they're going to be playing in front of their home crowd. Uh, we're going to see some of these players actually try to prove themselves to Juan Carlos Osorio. So for in that, and I think we're we're going to see a pretty you know back and forth matchup in that sense. Uh, in regards to the tactics and all that stuff, I'm pretty sure most definitely sure we're going to see a lot of people. Um, a lot of people be placed in different positions that we're not really comfortable them being in that position. Example, Edson Alvarez. Um, would be interesting to see how each player copes and, and, and deals with that. Um, but I think at the end of the day, fans can, you know, get a little bit excited for the matchup because, you know, it's the Mexican national team. Um, but still, it, it won't be the best and brightest of matches. I, I can guarantee you that. So... With that said, uh, what is your guys' prediction for tomorrow's matchup against Bosnia? Go 1-1 one, one draw. I'll go with a very predictable 0-0. Zero, 0-0, zero. Zero, zero. wow. Is no one really showing love? All right, you know what? I'm going to be the first one. I'm saying Mexico wins a 3-0. That's very... Um, that's bold. That's very, it's bold. Uh, I, know. <laughs> bold. I know it's bold, but I'm going with it. Okay. I'm going I with see it. You. I mean, you know, you gotta show some love. Gotta show some love. Um, but that pretty much is our ideas, um, which kind of gets us close to the end of the podcast, the end of the show. Um, again, thank you so much, Johnny. You've you you've made the time to come out and and support us and and be part of the show. Uh, we've had a, lots of fun having you on here. Uh, now that I do have you on here, um, you know. You were one of the the first persons I wanted to come on the show because you know you're you're the type of person that will say what he's thinking, and you won't hesitate. And I like that about you. You know, it's it's you're you're a very you know strong opinion person, which I think is 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 great to have on the show. Gets me in trouble a lot of the times, but can't think of a better way to live. Yeah, no, that's awesome, and you know, I I like the fact because you know you're such uh you know you're you're an Americanista at heart. You feel the colors, uh. It's just it's it's wonderful to have someone like you with you with your type of personality on here because you know you you even within the Americanista culture you don't actually see eye to eye with with most Americanistas. Oh yeah, I've, I think uh, when people tell me that they hate the club because of the way the fans are, I say you know what I I see your point. You know there's there's a lot of Americanistas out there that Jesus Christ, like for example. Um, I have no idea why everyone's being so kind right now to Silvio Romero. Like, oh, yes, good luck to Silvio Romero. When they were just so playing on mm. Benedetto when he left. Yeah. Ben- Benedetto to me was the absolute, and still probably even of this squad, is probably the most talented player that America would have if they would have kept him on. Instead, they bring in Silvio mm. Romero to replace him. I have no idea how or why that worked out, but that's it's another. Uh, Ricardo decision. Yep, yep, definitely, definitely. Uh, another one of the uh, great things about having you on here is the fact that you are a firm believer, like you stated, a firm believer that America is not the place for a canterano. 
you should be made and you should be fulfilled by the time you get to America, right? Definitely, yes. And I've had, I've had this, uh, this, this argument several times with other Americans who would rather be seeing uh, guys like Diego Lainez or even Edson Alvarez right now. Um, no, I, I prefer to see a Guido Rodriguez, uh, Emmanuel Aguilera, or a Bruno Valdez over Edson Alvarez. I prefer to be seeing a Ruben Sambuesa over Diego Lainez. I don't care that, that the uh, that the two younger ones came out of the youth system. I want the absolute best. Which is, which is, which is, no, go ahead, Dylan. Were you going to add something? No, 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 no. I wasn't going to add nothing, no. Okay, which which is which is wonderful because it 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 comes to the fact that it, I just want to get your your thoughts on this. Um, you know, I don't know if you heard, but you know, Cuatro Blanco said that he would love to be manager of the of the club at one point, uh, and he said uh, that his playing style would be very direct, would be very very attacking, and but he said that he would give time a lot of time for the youth players to come out and play into the side that he would use mostly all the players to come from the cantera and would only have about three foreign good foreign players what is your take on you know arguably the biggest idol in in recent history for america to come out and say you know kind of everything that you kind of you know go against you know i I think uh, I think right now Potemo Blanco is just saying what is politically correct because he's a politician now. I think um, it would be, it would be it would be against his best interest to to talk the way I talk to say America needs the absolute best and if the absolute best is an Argentine over a young Mexican, then let's have the Argentine. Mm-hmm. I think that would be very damaging to his image. I, I hope to once one day see Cuauhtémoc Blanco back at the club. I wish he would give up this whole politic nonsense and start working towards coming back to the club. But that's that's how I take his, his words at the moment. He's being a politician. He's protecting his image as well as he should. You know, I just I just don't take him to heart. Okay, understandable, understandable. Uh, but he does sound, he does seem like he kind of believes what he's saying because he, you know, he's, he talks about how difficult it's, it was for him and a couple of, you know, players that came in like Herman Villa, um, you know, to, to get through the ranks because of all these foreign players. And, you know, you, you feel like he's speaking from the heart when he says that he'd want to give more youth the opportunity to grow, to, to kind of break out the way he's, he was able to break out. Yeah, but I, I feel every man, every manager or potential manager has to talk that way. I, I can't think of a of a manager that wouldn't talk that way. Even even the ones that that fill up their clubs with talented foreigners, they can't speak that way. Um, you know, Miguel Herrera was one of those that was a firm believer in the youth system, and you know, look look at our team now. It's, you know, that, that's just what you have to say microphones okay so it's a way to kind of like save face and 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 you know like you said be political correct what you know it's understandable which i just wanted to get your thoughts on that because you know one of my first you know ideas that popped into my head when i when i you know saw him on on la ultima palabra say these things was kind of like you know it's like wow you know there's there's people there's a lot of people like you too you know it's not to say that you're the only person out there that 
thinks like this, but you know, it it contradicts a lot of what Americanistas would think, and it goes with a lot of what Americanistas would like too. So, I just want to get your take on it because you know, it's 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 you know quite interesting to see kind of like you know the other side of the uh, of the perspective. Yeah, at, at the end of the day, it's trophies is what matters. You know, are you are you bringing in trophies? I just happen to think that the more talented, I just happen to prefer talent to potential because I feel talent will get me closer to a trophy. That's true. I mean, you know, talent is you know going to push you there rather than potential. You know, you don't really know what you're going to get out of it. So. Uh, it's been interesting uh, to hear your point of view, but you know, thank you for sharing that with us. Uh, we're running now and down here to the end of the pod. Uh, I just want to get a little bit more thoughts out of you, just quickly. Um, if someone was to ask you, "What is it to be an Americanista?" Uh, what would your answer be? I to be an American. I think that's that's just a way of life. I think you have, there's certain like attitude that or personality traits that need to go into being an Americanista because being an Americanista, you are going to be the most hated in the entire league by other <laughs> fans. And then you're like, like you said, you're even hated amongst your own fan bases. You, you know, there's very strong disagreements with, with fans of your same team. So it takes a very kind of special mentality to, to deal with all of that negativity. And, you know, I've, I just I, I grew up during a very rough time for America, which I feel made me even more loyal. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I was born in '85, but so I mean I think America still had one championship there in the late '80s. Yeah, I, I didn't get to see it, so I grew up through the whole 13-year drought of, of America in the '90s. Um, one of the first like teams that I got to watch was you know, with Leo Benkakit as the coach. With BG, with Kalusha, with Saye, with a very young Guatemoc Blanco. Correct. That was an amazing team, but they didn't win championships. So I was ridiculed at school, but I just, uh, you know, I, I held firm to, to my team. And that, that made, that, I think that loyalty was, was what made it an even stronger bond. I didn't get to celebrate a championship until I was 17, that 2002 championship against Nagatsa. Yep, correct. Where, uh, was it? Uh, who scored the winning goal? Castillo. Vinicius Castillo, there Castillo we go. In a golden goal overtime. Correct. What a final two. I mean, you know, you had, you know, an icon like Sage playing on the other side. Yeah, we, we had a, we had a Real Mad- ex-Real Madrid, Ivan El Bam Bam Zamorano. Correct. Those, those were transfers. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, there you guys have it. That's the word of Johnny, what it is to be an Americanista. Um... Again, thank you for being on the podcast. If there was any advice that you could give uh, to the youngsters listening that you know want to pursue kind of a journalism career in in the Liga MX, what uh, what advice would you give them? Um, patience, a lot of patience. Learn to write. I think if if you learn to write stories or tell stories written uh, writtenly very well, I think you can do you can do go anywhere, uh, go do great things. Because that's kind of like the foundation of everything. Like if you can, if you can tell a good story, writing it, you can you can grab a microphone and speak it as well. And you, if you can tell a good story, writing it, you can uh, summarize it into tweets very well and build a following out of that. So, writing is a is one of the most tr- tremendous skills that you'll need 
in this kind of field. All righty, Dylan, anything you want to ask our guest tonight? Um, no, I mean, like, um, yeah, I was going to ask him the advice part, you know, because um, as you know, Ivan, you know, I do uh, broadcasting here at school, you know, I do a little bit of writing too and stuff, you know, but, you know, Johnny's basically covered uh, that you asked him and everything like that, you know, I'm just uh, appreciative of Johnny to be able to join us and everything. Yeah, just uh, go out and look for stories. That's that's kind of the main thing. Look for a good story to tell, and then write it down very well. Like, really write down a good story, and you know, transfer, put your voice into that story. And if you you can master that, you can master anything. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Words from the great wise Johnny Rico. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. Uh, thank you to every single one of you guys who have listened. This is episode five of the Eagle Eye podcast. Uh, again, we are thankful to all of you who have supported us so far to this day. Made us reach 100 followers on Twitter, I believe, really, really fast. Uh, you know, from the bottom of my heart, from the bottom of Dylan's heart, we thank every single one of you guys. Uh, you know, stay tuned. We're, we're definitely going to be giving away that scarf to one of you lucky winners. Um, and, you know, thank you for everything that you guys have done. If you guys ever miss a live show, don't forget, we are on iTunes. We are on SoundCloud as well. So you guys can take us wherever you guys decide to go. Um, thank you for every single one of you guys who have, you know, interacted with us. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter. I have left the description for both, uh, you know, Dylan, Johnny, myself, and, of course, the Eagle Eye podcast page. So thank you, every single one of you guys. Let's hope for an America win on, on Saturday. Let's hope for a great display of the Mexican national team come tomorrow thank you again johnny so much for making it possible for you know uh you know contributing to the podcast uh you're welcome this is going to be your house all the time whenever you want to come on uh we'll we'll, we'll always be happy to take you and then to hear your opinions thank you well, thank you guys for having me i look forward to, to the next show that i get to come on to definitely we're gonna have to make that very very soon dylan anything else you want to add uh, just thanks as always, guys. We always appreciate your support. You know, um, whether you're interacting with us on on the page, or you come and watch the show live, or you know, just downloading it too on iTunes or listening to our podcast. You know, we appreciate everything that you do. You know, now we're hoping we you can see our appreciation with that little giveaway that we're doing. And uh, there's more to come, so stay tuned for all for a lot more and everything. And uh, Johnny, you know, we we said it time and time again. Thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it, man. All right, shout out to every single one of you guys who tuned in to today's show. Uh, fellow follower of ours, Mari Alonso, who is always there. Uh, Esteban, you know, I, the list goes on and on. Everyone's, everyone that watched tonight and everyone that listens, a big shout out goes to you guys because without you guys, none of this is possible. So this has been episode five, guys. Thank you for all your support. And like I say, until next time, guys, take care.